Laudator Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News. In headlines this Wednesday, February the 21st. Despite increasing bombardments, the Christians taking shelter in Gaza's Catholic parish say that they are staying put. The Holy See Press Office offers an update on the ongoing investigation into abuse allegations against Father Marco Rupnik. And the Vatican Athletics team meets with Sarah Minkara, the U.S. Department of State's Special Advisor on Disability and Inclusion. In the Vatican, I'm Joseph Tollock. As Israel prepares to mount its grand invasion of Gaza's southernmost city of Rafah, the Israeli army has intensified its operations in Gaza City and has ordered civilians to immediately evacuate the Zaytun neighbourhood, where the Catholic Holy Family Parish lies. The church compound, the only Catholic church in the Strip, is currently sheltering more than 600 displaced Christians. Rosary sister Nabila Saleh is among them. She has confirmed that the airstrikes are ongoing, but has said that, dis- that the displaced will continue to stay in the parish despite the risks of getting caught in the crossfire once again. Lisa Zenkarini reports. This is not the first time that the Israeli army has ordered the population of Gaza City to leave the area and each time the displaced Christians living in the Holy Family Parish compound have decided to stay as it is impossible to move the elderly, sick and disabled people sheltered there without jeopardising their safety. This time too, said Sister Nabila Saleh, they don't want to move despite the risks. The nun of the Sisters of the Rosary of Jerusalem again lamented that the international community is not doing enough to stop the war. Civilians here are dying under bombs and from hunger and hardship, she said. For his part, Father Gabriele Romanelli, the parish priest of the Holy Family who hasn't been able to return to Gaza City since the 7th of October, describes the situation of Christians and the civilian population living in the enclave as a way of the cross. According to the Hamas Ministry of Health, since the outbreak of the war, the death toll among Palestinians killed by the Israeli attacks on Gaza has now exceeded 29,000, with over 69,000 injured. In this context, the Holy Family Parish's living conditions are becoming more and more difficult, and after four months of war, the 600 displaced Christians sheltering in the compound are tired and disheartened. On Friday last week, Father Romanelli managed to get in contact with his parish to celebrate the first Lenten Way of the Cross. In this Lenten season, we share our Way of the Cross with Jesus, asking for the gift of peace, said Sister Nabila, who called for prayers for Christians and all the Palestinian people suffering in Gaza. I am Lisa Zengarini. Amid the ongoing violence in Haiti, Bishop Pierre-André Dumas, Vice President of the Haitian Bishops' Conference, has been injured in an explosion. According to the country's bishops' conference, he is in a stable condition. Deborah Castellano Lobov has more. Bishop Pierre Andre Dumas of Ansavu Meraguena and vice president of Haiti's bishops' conference was struck by an explosion on Sunday and injured. It happened in the house where he was staying during his visit to the nation's capital of Port-au-Prince, reported the nation's episcopal conference. According to a note from the bishops, the health of Bishop Dumas is stable. The news comes at a time when the security situation in the western part of the country shows no signs of improvement. In recent events, an armed group attacked a minibus transporting passengers between Port-au-Prince and Mirbelle with at least 10 casualties. According to an initial reconstruction, some members of the criminal gang 400 Mowotso are believed to have been involved. Haiti has long been in the grip of violence by various gangs vying for control of the territory. 
The U.N. reported that January 2024 was the bloodiest month in over two years, with at least 1,108 people killed, injured, or kidnapped. In recent days, major Haitian cities have experienced further unrest during opposition-led protests, demanding the resignation of interim Prime Minister Ariel Henry. According to local reports, the Haitian justice system has indicted around 50 people for their alleged involvement in the assassination of former President Jovenel Moïse. The politician was killed on July 7, 2021, in his residence of Port-au-Prince. In a recent interview with Vatican Radio, Bishop Dumont had said, The people can't take it anymore, with always more riots and upheavals on the horizon. Haitians, he said, are tired of death and poverty. In full harmony with the Episcopal Conference, he stressed that the church is alongside the people, but the task of the church is to make it understood that peaceful solutions are to be found. Bishop Dumas had said that schools had been closed for weeks due to the escalation of violence and lamented that Haitian society is collapsing and is paralyzed by terror. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Protesters have been taken to the streets in German cities with the slogan, Defend Democracy. Large gatherings took place over the weekend in many cities, including Berlin, Hanover, Magdeburg, Bochum, Riedberg, Essen, as well as in a series of smaller towns and communities. Demonstrators are raising their voices against the advance of the far-right anti-immigration populist and Eurosceptic Alternative für Deutschland, or Alternative for Germany, party. In January, the German bishops published a joint statement denouncing policies that aim to expel anyone seeking refuge, as well as politics that ostracizes people with disabilities and denies that climate change is a man-made crisis. And in collaboration with a local bishop, a local Caritas in Germany has organised a social media campaign for, in favour of democracy and against the extreme right in the country. Speaking to Vatican Radio, Dominique Hopfensitz, the head of Caritas Münster, reiterated the organization's socio-political mandate as well as its duty to fight for values such as tolerance, solidarity and social cohesion. We in Germany, the church and the Caritas, are convinced that we have special role in a social-political mandate to stand up for democracy and against extremist ideas. And we think that a society wants to have an opinion from characters and the church, what this point of view is. There will also be important elections in the European Union. What do you hope for? I hope, yes, the people in Germany and the other European countries will recognize that extremist parties are not a solution. I hope the people will go to the elections and I hope that they recognize that the values like solidarity, tolerance and social cohesion. That was Dominic Hopfenspitz of Caritas Münster speaking there to Vatican Radio's Stephanie Stahlhofen. Now, the Holy See Press Office has offered an update today on the ongoing investigation by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith into abuse allegations against Father Marco Rupnik. As Devon Watkins reports, two former nuns held a press conference in Rome today to describe their accusations against the former Jesuit artist. The Vatican Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, or DDF, has contacted several institutions over the past months to obtain documentation related to Father Marco Rupnik, a Slovenian-born former Jesuit and artist. The Holy See Press Office confirmed on Wednesday that the DDF's investigation has been expanded into other ecclesial realities. 
The press office said the investigation is continuing into allegations against Father Rupnik, who has been accused of inflicting psychological and sexual abuse on several adult consecrated women. He was dismissed from the Society of Jesus in June 2023. On October 27th, Pope Francis entrusted the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith with the task of examining the case after deciding to waive the statute of limitations to allow the proceedings to take place. The decision was taken after the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors in September sent the Pope some reports it had received regarding serious problems in the handling of the Rupnik case and the lack of closeness to the victims. Also on Wednesday, two former consecrated members of the Loyola community held a press conference in Rome at the headquarters of the Italian Foreign Press Office. Accompanied by their lawyer, one of the women spoke of physical, psychological, and sexual abuses she personally experienced at the hands of Father Rupnik. The two former nuns said that they hoped to obtain truth and justice and denied being driven by personal revenge. I have forgiven myself and I have forgiven Rupnik, said Gloria Branciani, reiterating her hope that the truth and the wrong suffered may be recognized. I'm Devin Watkins. Sport has incredible power to promote disability and inclusion in society. To promote disability inclusion, excuse me. That was the idea, anyway, at the centre of a meeting on Tuesday between Sarah Minkara, the Special Advisor on Disability at the US State, State Department, and Atletica Vaticana, the Vatican's athletics team. Ms. Minkara, who was appointed directly by President Joe Biden, was in Rome to discuss preparations for an upcoming G7 summit on disability to be hosted by Italy later this year. And after the event, she spoke to Vatican Radio. Faith plays a huge role in a lot of our communities. Um, the faith-based sector is one of the most important sectors for any of any, a lot of communities where we want to be able to find a, the faith community, a space for us to go there, find a community, engage, learn, spiritual engagement. So we need to make sure our faith-based communities are inclusive, are accessible, not just physical accessibility, but also making sure the communication is accessible, the technology is accessible, the cultural is accessible. The narrative is not charity, pity, I feel bad for you, but the narrative is we want you in our community, we want you in our spaces, we see the value that you bring to our spaces, and also how we talk about disability in our, in our narrative is so important. So... In our, all of our travels, we always try to meet with the different faith-based leaders. In Nigeria, we went met with the ch- head of church and mosque, a Muslim community there. Egypt, we met with the Coptic Church Christian community and the Azhar University. In Indonesia, everywhere we go, we always meet with the faith-based community because it's an important sector. Pope Francis is always talking about inclusion. Yeah. He said at World Youth Day in Lisbon, todos, 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 everybody, everybody, everybody. Yes. How important is that message? Oh, everybody, everybody, everybody. This message is super important. You know, and there's a there's a phrase in the disability world, we say nothing without us, nothing without the disability community. When we say everybody, that includes the disability, disability community. That includes us, but not just from, you know, this is the right thing to do, but we also bring value. We need to be at the table. When we say also, oh, let's make sure that there's room at the table, that's not enough. Let's make sure we have space at the table, it's accessible to access the table, and we're able to bring our authentic voice to the table. The Vatican's Dicastery for Evangelization has released a new guidebook on prayer as the Church prepares to celebrate the Jubilee 2025. Christopher Wells tells us more. The Vatican's Dicastery for Evangelization has issued a new resource on prayer aimed at inviting the faithful to intensify prayer as a personal dialogue with God and to reflect on their faith and commitment in today's world. 
The new guidebook entitled Teach Us to Pray is the latest in a series of resources provided by the dicastery to assist the church as she prepares for the celebration of Jubilee 2025. The title is taken from the request of Jesus' disciples in the Gospel of St. Luke, which provides the framework for the church's preparation for the Jubilee. Inspired by the authoritative teaching of Pope Francis, Teach Us to Pray consists of chapters dedicated to prayer in the parish and in the family, the prayer of young people, prayer in cloistered communities, catechesis, and spiritual retreats, and concludes with a section on the prayer of the faithful for Jubilee 2025. According to a press release announcing the booklet, Teach Us to Pray is intended to offer reflections, directions, and advice for living more fully in dialogue with the Lord and in relationship with others. The Italian version of Teach Us to Pray is currently available to download at no cost from the website of the Dicastery for Evangelization. Spanish, Portuguese, French, English, and Polish editions are being prepared and should be available soon. Pope Francis announced the year of prayer ahead of the Jubilee during the Angelus of January 21st, when he called on the faithful to intensify your prayers in order to prepare ourselves to live this event of grace well and to experience the strength of God's hope. Explaining the purpose of the year of prayer, Pope Francis said the year is dedicated to rediscovering the great value and absolute need for prayer in personal life, in the life of the church, and in the world. I'm Christopher Wells. And that brings us to the end of this edition of Vatican and World News. For more on these and other stories, please do visit our website at www.vaticannews.va. And you can also catch the latest updates on our Facebook, X and Instagram pages. Just search Vatican News. Many thanks go to Gabriele Di Domenico in the studio in the Vatican. I'm Joseph Tullock. <laughs>